welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Christianity is a really unfortunate term that many people live by today. I know it was used of the church. I think it began in the book in Acts at the time of, they named the uh, disciples or believers Christians in Antioch, but it's become a really watered down, wussy version of the church today. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, although it might sound that. But uh, Christianity to many people is that we get saved, we live a nice life, we don't cause too much trouble. And that's why many Christians are bored stiff. In fact, some of you come today and you're bored. You're bored with life. You're bored with your summit, some of you. And that may be because you've yet to understand the true purpose of Jesus coming to planet Earth. And so I want to unpack that again today. We've been talking about the power of the kingdom. I had a dream uh, that I shared with the church, so some of you may not have heard it, but just very quickly, I had a dream the other night, and the Lord said in the last days, he poured out his spirit and old men would dream dreams. (laughs) So it was a dream slash vision, because I'm not old yet. And in this dream, I was playing Monopoly, and as I looked at at my hand, it was all muddled up. But on the other side of the board, there was another man there, and he he built all his hotels and houses on the the um, the Royal Street of Mayfair, and I don't know what the rest are called, Park Lane, <laughs> Oxford Street, whatever it is. You know, the green and the blues. The ones that we all wanted to get but never got and we cried and threw the board up in disgust. <laughs> and so he, was, he built his hotels and houses and I looked at that and I thought, I'm gone. You know that feeling, that awful sick feeling you get when those hotels go up and you know that you know, the best place to be at the moment is in jail. <laughs> and so um, as I looked at that, I heard a voice cry out over the board and it said, he doesn't own the land. He's lying. And, uh, and I realized that he was a fraud. And so as the voice came then, the man had to grab all the hotels and houses and take them back off the board. And I looked down at my hand and I'd been dealt all greens and blues, the whole complete set. And I woke up. And I realized what God was saying is that the enemy is a liar. He's a thief. He doesn't own the earth. It's not his. And the church has been dealt the greatest hand, but it's jumbled up and they don't realize actually what it is that's within them. They don't realize their kingdom assignment. So most Christians are longing to go to heaven, but heaven's longing to come to earth. Most of us are in rapture practice. We're treading water and we just want life to be nice enough. Actually, don't want to change the world. We just want it nice enough so we can get through life and go to heaven. But we don't realize that heaven has a passion. God designed man to live on earth, first and foremost. We're designed to be on earth. I know a lot of people say that we'll go to heaven, but God designed man to live on earth. So let's look, and I'm going to unpack this today. I don't know how much time I'll have I'm hoping to get to the end because it's all good. So um, pray for me that I go fast. Thank you, Jesus. 
In Matthew 4, John's been put into prison. His head's about to be cut off. And it's a picture that Jesus is coming with a message that he, and, and this message, for it to be understood, there's something that has to shift in the mindset, in the head of the church. Some things that we've got to lock away in prison. And that's why at heart today is that as you hear what I'm about to say, that God's going to remove the old head and put on the mind of Christ. Remove your concept of what God wants to do in and through you. For some of you, your greatest hope is just to own a home, to have a nice family and a nice life. And God wants to remove that head and put on a kingdom mindset today. Jesus comes preaching the kingdom. He defeats the devil. And the first thing that he says is this. And bear in mind what the first thing the Father says to man when man is first created. And this is what Jesus says. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's at hand. That's what he said. It's not a trick. That's what he said. That's what I just read in the Bible. I'll say it again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's come near. It came near in Jesus. It's come. It's interesting because as I began to study about the kingdom, we go back to the beginning and it's always been the heart of God to partner with mankind. Think, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 115, verse 15. When God created man, he had this, this thing in his mind that he wanted to partner with someone that he could love and he could co-rule with him. When God created you, what he had in mind was he wanted to love you, but he also wanted to rule through you. Did you hear me? God wants to rule through you. This is the heart of God. And Psalm 115 verse 15 says, May you be the blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to you. He's given it to you. So the heavens, he says, is my domain, but the earth, where you find yourself, it's yours, baby. Hello. God gave rulership of the earth to man, but not ownership. He gave us rulership of the earth. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Again, it says that in Colossians 1, 16. God owns the earth. Let's not get that wrong. Who owns the earth? Who owns the land, the, the mountains, the cows? God created it, Colossians says. It exists in him. He owns it. It is his. So it's like a house. You, someone can own the house, but then he can lease it or give it to someone to manage on their behalf. So God owns the earth. The devil doesn't own the earth. God owns the earth. When I last checked, he made it and he owns it. And he's never given up ownership of the earth. He owns the earth. The devil is not the ruler of the earth. God owns the earth. Let's get that right. Our dad owns the earth. I said to Jen as we walked in today, look at that mountain up there, the Dandenong Rangers. Our dad owns that. God owns it. Who owns it? And he gave it to us to manage to lease. We call that the dominion mandate in Genesis chapter 1. That we are the managers, the supervisors, the rulers, 
the agents, the governors, the leaders. It's an amazing concept. And this authority is so complete that God himself will not violate it. He says, this is my domain in heaven. I own the earth, but I place you in charge of the earth. And you are the authority figure on the earth, mankind. To, to have any authority on the earth, you must have a physical body and a spirit. Without that, you have no authority on the earth. It's mine, but I give it to mankind to rule and dominate. Is that making sense? Genesis 1.26 says, God said to man, that's man and woman, that's all of us. So you today, it doesn't matter where you come from, from cheap side, from rich side, what education you have, whether you're male, female, old or young, God said to you today. So man is the plural. He says, let them, who? Them, not God. Let man have dominion. We were given this legal authority to exercise dominion over the planet. In fact, it's like God locked himself out of the earth. He said, I'm going to operate on earth, but I'm going to do it through a man. That's why God needs you. Did you hear me? We're saying, God, do something. He said, I'm trying. I'm waiting for you. Without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. He needs someone. That's why he says, pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the fall is the greatest proof that God has empowered man. But you know the story as we read through Genesis Man surrenders this kingdom to one who so desires it, but he's not qualified to rule it. The devil is not qualified to rule the planet. Are you hearing me? Angels are not created to rule. They're created to do the bidding of the king. Satan is not designed to rule. Did you hear me? Who's designed to rule? Man. Satan has no ability to rule. The earth. He's not given permission. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says Satan rules the earth. It says he's the God of this world, but not the God of the earth. And the two, as we'll see in a moment, are poles apart. So now a demonic pretender, that's what we call the devil, controlled man, the ruler, and the earthly realm declared its independence from God. So now we have Satan, as it were, putting his demonic nature into mankind. Mankind is now separated from God, and the devil, by de facto, is controlling what takes place on earth because fallen man is now impregnated with the nature of the devil. Is that making sense? But as we begin to read through the Bible, we see that Satan is a thief. He doesn't own the, everything that he has, he's stolen. It is not his. So when I walk across our city, I have this revelation that none of it belongs to the devil. He's a liar, he's a stealer, and he's a deceiver. Everything that he has is because of a lie, because of deception. He does not own anything. He has no power or authority of his own on this planet. Is this good? He may be the ruler of this world, but he's not the owner of the earth. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 2, verse 8. We'll continue to unpack this until we get a revelation, until we all agree. It says, 
For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. I want you to notice that we have two words here, the earth and the world. Let's read it again. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon the foundations of the earth. Now, the earth in, in, in the Bible speaks of, if you're taking notes, speaks of the physical planet under the possession of God. The earth in the Bible always refers to the physical land mass. And God says, they're mine. The world, however, the word for world is cosmos. It's the power of influence, the order of authority, the governing power and system. So God creates the physical earth and then he created the world of his government. So in the beginning, God created the earth then the kingdom or the government, government of God sat upon it. So the world sat upon the earth. The world is the government structure or the kingdom. The earth is the physical planet. So God gave the earth to man. And in the garden, man, kingdom man, was the cosmos on the earth. He was the world on the earth. He carried the kingdom. So he was the world sitting on the earth. The government of God sat in Adam and Eve and able to bring the world or God's kingdom to the earth, to sit on the earth. Is this making sense? But after the fall, the world became fallen because it's now a satanic world system. And that sits on the earth. This is what we are up against. There is two, there's a clashing of kingdoms of world systems. The, the ownership of the earth is not under question. The issue is who will control the world that sits on top of the earth. Are you hearing me? The welfare of Melbourne depends on which world sits on Melbourne. Whether it's the kingdom world or whether it's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. And this is what Jesus was saying in Matthew 4. He's saying, repent, change your mind, get a view. The kingdom of God is here. I've brought a new world system. In fact, it's an old one. It's the one that was created at the very beginning. The kingdom of God is at hand again. Now turn with me to John 12 verse 30. This is a great verse. Jesus answered and said, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment or divine law or a divine decision. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Did you hear that? When Jesus came, he brought judgment on a fallen world system. And he said, the ruler of this world is now cast out. And your job and my job is to enforce that. There was a divine shift when Jesus came to earth and the, and the world of darkness was pushed back. And he says, no longer does Satan have free reign on this earth. You, my people, you, my disciples, I've given you all authority and all power over this fallen system. Bring the kingdom of God to planet earth. The earth is yours. You represent me, the, all the earth, and I want to fill this earth with my glory. That's why the Bible says all of creation is longing for you and I to get it, for the sons of God to be revealed. We will begin on saying that we have this kingdom within us, 
And in me is a kingdom system that this earth is growing for me to reveal to it. See, the problem for the church is a problem that was for Daniel. That the enemy has played with the language of the church and the history of the church. So we truly don't know our history, why God put us on this planet, what God wants to do through our life. But that's all beginning to change. Jesus said, the ruler of this world has been cast out. Now I want you to notice, as we pull this together and then move on to another section, take these notes. The devil is the ruler of this world and has delegated power through fallen man on the earth. He is the ruler of this world system. Right? He has delegated power through fallen man on earth. Without unbelievers, the devil has no power. And every time someone comes into the kingdom, the devil has less authority, less power on the earth through fallen man. He's not as powerful as you think. Jesus is the creator and the owner of the earth. And he came and gave the earth to his church and his kingdom to rule over the earth. Jesus is the creator and the owner of the earth. I'm trying to get you to understand something. That he's created you to be a king. How many people are kings? It's a trick question. When God created Adam, you need to understand he did something first and foremost. He created a, a earth for Adam to rule. You have to have a territory to be a king. You have to have land to be a king, a domain, an area to influence. And God's beginning to shift the mindset of the church. So when I walk down, as I was uh, last week in the city, and I'm walking down the street, and I'm looking at the buildings, I, and I, just, I can't help myself, but I'm thinking, somebody thinks they own this. Where's the church? Where's our influence? Where's our ability? I'm seeing there's so many things going on. I'm seeing such need in the kingdom. You know, we need, and I'm just sidetracking now, we need nursing homes full of the Holy Ghost. We need psych wards full of the Holy Spirit. We need hospitals full of the Holy Spirit. And we could go right across the board. The church needs influence. It needs land. It needs all these things. And Jesus says... It's all mine. There has to be a mind shift in the church. You can have it if you can see it. And that's why John had to lose his head before the kingdom could come. All right. I say God chopped my head off too. I want the mind of Christ. Religion is disgusting. It minimizes people. It just causes us to hold out. For, for, for the rapture. Whereas Jesus is passionate about the earth. He wants, he's, he's not longing for you to come home. He's longing for you to bring heaven to earth. Because if, if heaven's the, the final object, take us now. There's, there's just no point. But Jesus, he, his passion is, let my kingdom come. I want it to be established on the earth. I want the earth to come under my kingdom rule and reign. And that's why I'm passionate about schools and universities, that we would train up our young people to have a kingdom mindset, that the kingdom is within me. 
And we're going to talk about this later on. Everywhere I go, I'm ushering in the kingdom. Jesus said, don't you know that the kingdom's within you? My rule and my reign, I want you to think like a king. And everywhere where your feet tread, you are to possess and claim the land. You are to bring my kingdom mindset to every sphere that you go into. Rather than just raising up nice kids that get a nice job and have a nice house and have no vision for a city, shame on us. Yes. Number three, Christianity teaches man to escape to heaven, where the kingdom, number four, teaches us to rule on the earth. Christianity teaches man to escape to heaven. I know people mean well, but there's a lot of talk about going to heaven and heavenly encounters, and they're good as long as long as they empower you to come back and change the world. Or else all it is is spiritual navel-gazing. It's just self-centered, egotistical. There's no reason. Just, Just go. Don't come back. You're no use to us. Just go. Go. Be gone. We're looking for kings that would come back and rule and reign on earth. I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but we'll get into that. But this is the heart of God. Anyway. And so I've been thinking about this whole concept of being a man that would, or that would be a representative of the king in the kingdom. Paul calls it an ambassador. Others call it citizens of heaven or, or a governor on the, on the earth. And, and this, is, this is a passion of God. And Miles Munro, he, uh, he's, he had such a revelation of the kingdom. And he said he was asking the Lord, why did you take so long to send Jesus to the planet? It's a good question, isn't it? 4,000 years of carnage, of chaos, of man trying to rule without the spirit of God with him. What were you thinking, God, that you would take four? thousand years to do something. Has anyone ever thought why Jesus took so long? Okay. Does any of you think? Ask God questions. Why? What, what were you thinking? See, God doesn't do things randomly. It's like, okay, maybe go now. Footy's over. You can go, Jesus. No, no, there was a plan and a purpose. Galatians 4, 4, I think it is, is said about Jesus, when the fullness of time had come, Jesus came. And Miles brings out this point that if you study history, all the great empires, Babylonian, Syrians, etc., etc., they all had this mindset that when they would invade a nation, they would invade, conquer, take the remaining people as slaves and take them back to their own country to work for them. So the Assyrians would go in and they would conquer a country, grab all the people, Bring them back and say, you will serve me in Assyria. What made the time of Jesus so different was the Roman Empire. They did something that no other empire had ever done. When they came into a a territory, they would conquer it. And after they conquered it, they would send a governor or an ambassador from Rome to come into that country and to bring the ways of Rome into that country. When in Rome, there was the 
Romans do. And so they would conquer that country, indoctrinate that country with their language and history, and turn that nation. This is what happened in the time of Jesus. We have Pilate, who's indoctrinating the Jews with the Roman way of life, Roman currency, language, ideas, concepts. Because that was the first empire that represented the kingdom of God. Isn't that powerful? This is the mindset of God, that he would invade a territory. He would send you as the governor representing the king and that you would begin to work on planet earth to change the mindsets, the language, the culture. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in Rome. So, with that in mind, just very quickly, I want you to think about some of the characteristics of a governor, a ambassador. And I want you to think about this in the context of your life this week. And we're nearly finished. Is that all right? Yeah. You good? Yeah. You're good? Here we go. An ambassador is an envoy or representative sent to represent a nation in a foreign land. 1 Peter 2.9 says that. So when you meet an ambassador... You are meeting more than just a person. You are meeting a nation. In that ambassador is a nation. So when people meet you, they aren't just meeting a person. They are meeting the kingdom of God within you. They are meeting everything that is heaven. Everything that heaven represents, they are meeting in you. Don't you know that you carry the kingdom of God within you. So when you walk into a workplace, whether you are on the bottom rung in the world system or the top, you carry in the kingdom. You are a representative of a nation. You're not a person. You are a nation. Peter says you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You are an embodiment of a country. You are a walking country. So when an ambassador comes in, he is literally or she a walking country. So if I'm an Australian ambassador in the Philippines, when I walk down the street, it is as though Australia is walking down the street. Everything that Australia is, I represent. When you are in the presence of an ambassador, you are in the presence of the government they represent. Turn this over to the kingdom now. When someone is in your presence, they are in the presence of the government that you represent. This turns everything around. You are carrying the kingdom of God within you. You're not just designed to go do a job and get a house. You are designed to bring, how does heaven come to earth? When you realize that the kingdom of God is in you, that you are a physical embodiment of all of the kingdom of heaven. That's who you are today. And me? Yeah, you. You. No, no, yeah, you. An ambassador is one who also lives in an embassy. This is great. This embassy is a sovereign territory. So if you had an Australian embassy in Russia, the land that it sits on is as much Australia's as Melbourne is. All the rights, the powers, and the authority of that nation represented by the government, are in effect on that property. So your home, your office, your church, anywhere that you are, 
is the embassy of heaven. So when I walk into a house, it's the property of heaven. In your workplace, it's the property of heaven. Are you hearing me? So if we, you go to Canberra, you see all the embassies, you, you just can't walk in there. It's the property of that country. Number three, an authorised messenger is one who has the power to make decisions and represent the will of the nation or the king they represent. So there's no personal opinion. If you see an a, uh, ambassador interviewed, they are reticent to express their public opinion. So this controversy we have between Indonesia and Australia, and you see the representatives or the ambassador of of uh, Indonesia and Australia, and he's very careful not to give his personal opinion, but he is representing the opinion of the nation. That's why I have a little bit of trouble with Christians voicing their own opinions rather than the Word of God. Your opinion might be that marriage is for two men or two women, but the, the, the nation, the governor, the king who sent you has given you a a list of, of his ideas and thoughts. And he said, as far as I'm concerned, I made Adam and Eve. That marriage is between a husband and a wife. That it's so important for children to have a mother and a father. And so the church is standing up and saying, you know what? We know we've been sent from the king, but you know what? We don't know whether the king really knows what he's talking about today. It's, it's, the king's a little bit outdated. He's getting a bit old. No, an ambassador doesn't have an opinion. He is to get the mind and will of the king of the nation and then to articulate that. This is the king's mind, will and purpose. My opinion really doesn't matter. He's authorised, however, to speak on behalf of that, the one who sent him. The government's going to back him up. God says, I watch over my word to perform it. And if you get the mind of God... The, and you begin to articulate what God is saying, God's saying, I'll back you up. When an ambassador speaks on behalf of the nation, the nation will back him up. That's who you are. Is that exciting? So my job is just to communicate the position of the government. It takes all the stress off me. An ambassador doesn't have to be clever, just has to be able to take a message and articulate it. So what's my job? Father, what is it you want me to say and what is it you want me to do? That's the role of the, of, of the ambassador, to represent the mind of the king. Now listen to this one. You'll like this one. The ambassador doesn't pay any bills. For the king or the government is responsible for everything. Their life is the property of the government. He takes care of all the bills. When you were sent to the earth on assignment from heaven... Heaven said it would be responsible for caring for your needs. Matthew 10, 5 to 9, so many people misunderstand what Jesus is saying. Because he says to his disciples, now I want you to go. This is your orders. And when you go, don't take two pairs of pants, tracksuit pants and, and money bags and, and extra food. Don't worry about it. So we Christians interpret that, that Jesus wants us to live on the cheap. He wasn't saying that at all. He says... Don't you worry about being your provision. I will be your provision. 
And we need to realign our minds that Father can take care of you much better than you could ever take care of yourself. My assignment, my provision. So when we're on kingdom assignment, we say, God, you're sending me, so you take care of the provision. That's why Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, is it? Don't worry about what you would eat and wear. For the Gentiles, the pagans think that way. They think, my cares, my responsibility. He said, you go about my assignment. Seek first the kingdom and I'll pick up the tab. Think about an Australian embassy. For those who have travelled, think about one in the Philippines, wherever. I, I don't, and this is not about belittling another country. But think about it. In a country that's torn by war or poverty or disease, think about what you would picture that Australian embassy to look like. Just picture it in your mind. I picture that it would be this grand building with armed guards around it, with all sorts of provision. And the reason is that whenever they're in need in that country, whenever they have need, they don't get the need from the country they're in. They get their needs met from the country that sent them. Are you hearing me? And you know that he's an Australian representative because of how he lives. There is something different about him. He lives different. He lives in a different house. And it causes the nation that is there to long to be where he's come from. The challenge for the church is that many Christians look like their ambassadors, but they look like the country they live in. And because of that, there's no great longing to go to that country. You imagine if you're an ambassador and you're living in a tin shed and you told everyone, I come from this wealthy land, this prosperous, the king loves me. And you look at him and you think, yeah, I'll just pass on that visa that I applied for. I think I'll go to the Bahamas. We are supposed to give the world a glimpse of what heaven looks like. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about all of our life, our wholeness, our families, our marriages. When people look at us, it is a representation of the kingdom of God. And that's the heart of God. He has called you. He's put his kingdom within you. And when you get a revelation that God, you have sent me, And because you've sent me, you said you will provide for me. If you've called me to reach this field, then the provision will be there. See, the problem is that many Christians who are ambassadors live like they are the ones supplying all their needs. They are the ones that come up with all the ideas. They are not living like a true ambassador. And when your mind begins to shift, provision begins to come. Are you hearing me today? So your job, as we continue to unpack the kingdom of God, is to say, okay, Lord, where have you sent me? What have you called me to do? What have you called me to say? Seek first the kingdom. What is my assignment? I understand you've put me on this earth to bring your kingdom to this world. There is a world system that sits over areas that God has assigned you to you. 
And he is sending you now to unlock the people from a fallen system. He sent you to possess the land. Many of you, God has called to own land, to have influence, to show what the kingdom looks like. And here's the, here's the thing. If people will not come under kingdom rule, God will take what they have and give it to you.